I've always loved and embraced the, the last minute opportunities to just go and explore because there's so much out there, right? And you're not going to see it if you stay in your same four walls, right? And so much of my message, as you know, is in innovating and planning what your future vision is, you have to be able to get out of your current environment. You have to be able to get out of what you're doing every day because we're such creatures of habit. We get used to having the same conversations. We get used to doing the same things. We think the same things. We eat the same food. We do the same routine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm always, I'm a pr big proponent of a routine, but it's not going to change things for you until you give yourself a different experience. Welcome to a whole lot of shift podcast, the podcast for multi-passionate women with an entrepreneurial spirit where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you shift away from all the shoulds and supposed tos to what's truly possible for you in your business and your life, all on your own terms. You ready, girl? Let's make shift happen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. I'm your host, Jen Ingram, and I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Today, I have the Allison Kay, and you are all in for a very special treat as she is here to talk to us about all things retreat. I am so excited. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I'm excited to be here with you. Yes. Well, you guys are in for a treat because Allison is my coach. She is a retreat strategist, and I consider her really the expert and master of all things retreats. She has hosted, I already forgot her number, but she's going to share it with us later in this episode, but a ton of retreats. I've been on a few of her retreats. They are absolute, my, absolutely my most favorite. And I'm also in Allison's mastermind, her innovative mastermind, which I absolutely love, where we talk about how to make sure our businesses are growing and thriving both in person and online so that we really have the flexibility that we want to have so yep. that we can be experiencing things like retreats, right? That's right. <laughs> so that's right. So tell us, I know I just kind of threw it all out there, but Allison, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, a, I'm originally, I'm from, I'm a North Carolina native, which usually shocks a lot of people because in my state in North Carolina, most people come here to live. They're not necessarily from here, right? And I've actually lived all over the state. I've never lived outside of North Carolina. I've traveled the world. I've traveled extensively, but I've never lived outside of North Carolina. And that really shocks a lot of people. So, but at some point I'll be living down in Key West. Cause if you know me, you know that that's like one of my big happy spots, but no, I spent my career the last 30 years in the health and fitness industry. I've pretty much done, done it all. I've worked in corporate, I've worked in, you know, the medical field, I've worked in rehab. I'm a part-time instructor at a women's college here in Raleigh, and I've been doing that for close to 25 years. And I've been an entrepreneur for almost 25 years. So I've, I've been around the block and I've seen the entire industry evolve like many times over since Sunday. And I'm just, I'm excited to be here and, and chat about one of the things I love to do. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. And I love, you know, as Allison shared her experience. So as you can imagine, when you think about innovating your business, I can tell you she's got the experience as she has really watched things evolve. And, and of course, being in the health and fitness industry and making your way through 2020 yes. required a whole lot of innovation. Yep. 
Well, not just for me, but for a lot of people that I knew, that was probably one of the the most pivotal, innovative shifts that I've had to make. No pun intended. I know your show is a whole lot of shift. There was a lot of shifting going on over here in 2020. I can tell you that. But, you know, I'm far enough on the other side of that now. I don't know that I'm ever going to say I'm glad all that happened. But I can tell you right now with 100% certainty that I wouldn't be delivering all of the amazing things that I'm doing now had I not had to shift. So soundbite number one for anyone out there listening is embrace the challenges because they're always an amazing opportunity for you to grow and innovate on your own, if not in your business. Oh, I love that. And I couldn't agree more. Like, I don't know that I could ever say I'm glad 2020 happened, but I definitely came out a different person. Yeah. A whole lot of things happened. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, right? Yep. That it's is all right. good. There's that. Uh, Sometimes you have to walk through the storm to get to the amazing scenery that's on the other side, right? Truth. So much truth. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to kick it off because first, you, you mentioned right off the bat that if you could, you hope someday that, well, not hope, you're going to be living in Key West someday. Yeah. I already know this. Yeah. Tell me, so, well, let me back up a little bit. If you've been listening at all to the last few episodes in this mini series on retreats, then you've heard me talk about the retreat that I've been to in Key West, and that was one of Allison's retreats. And I've actually yeah. gone for the last two years, and yeah. they, they just amazing, like, I I can see why you want to live there, right? Like it's yep. just a magical place. So yep. talk to me, tell me, how did you get involved in hosting retreats? What made you think, you know, I want to start doing this? Well, it's so I'm so glad you asked me that because many, many years ago when I had a fairly large brick and mortar fitness studio in downtown Raleigh, I had a, a brick and mortar studio for almost 18 years before I downsized to where I am now, which is much smaller. But having said all that, when I have my studio downtown, I kept picturing myself doing retreats in different places. And I had a client who told me once, you need to be doing workout camps in different places. You know, at that would be a really fun thing and nobody's doing them. And I just kept thinking how cool it would be to do an experience where I could actually work and take people because I've always loved to travel. I've always loved when I was single before I met my husband, it was not unlike me to pick up on a Friday night if there was a cheap airline deal and just leave for the weekend, right? I've always loved and embraced the, the last minute opportunities to just go and explore because there's so much out there, right? And you're not going to see it if you stay in your same four walls, right? And so much of my message, as you know, is in innovating and planning what your future vision is, you have to be able to get out of your current environment. You have to be able to get out of what you're doing every day because we're such creatures of habit. We get used to having the same conversations. We get used to doing the same things. We think the same things. We eat the same food. We do the same routine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm always, I'm a pr big proponent of a routine but it's not going to change things for you until you give yourself a different experience. And I always saw myself doing that, but honestly, Jen, I was, there was so much, I had so much responsibility with my studio. I had instructors working for me. We had classes going on. I had a full book of business with clients that I was coaching at the time, just on their health and fitness. I just did not have the bandwidth to add one more thing, but I knew it was on my radar, right? And so when I moved, when I downsized, and it, that was about eight years ago, I said, I'm doing it. And the first event that I did was local. 
And that's another piece of advice I'm going to offer anybody listening. If you're going to start doing retreats, start small. Start small, stay close to home, stay in an environment that's somewhat familiar to you because it doesn't matter how long you've been doing what you're doing. When you add something new and different to your business, whether it's a new offer or whatever, it's going to feel like you're starting over. And it should feel like you're starting mm -hmm. over because it's brand new, right? So I wanted mm -hmm. to take that, take that out of the out of my path, like right from the beginning and keep it very simple. And honest, and to be honest with you, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing, if that makes sense, right? You have to mm -hmm. you have to figure out how you want it to look and what it is that you want to do. And initially my plan was to have 30 people at that first event. You want to know how many I had? Five. How many? I had five. Mm. So there was a part of me that was a little disappointed, but I got to be honest, after the event, I'm like, thank God I only had five because right? it was, because it was su there's such a learning curve to facilitating event and holding energy for other people and being able to talk through things. Those five people had an amazing day with me. And a couple of those people came back and did another event with me in the future. So you know, I had to sit with that for a little bit. And I feel like, and you know this about me, my sweet spot is anywhere between four and eight people at an event. Mm. And sometimes I have even a smaller group of people. Like one of the events I did in Key West, it was just the three of us. But I am a, almost a firm believer in the right people always show up. It's always the right container. It's always the right time. You know, so much of it is the BS that we tell ourselves about it. We think it should look a certain way, but we're not allowing ourselves to be open to what it could be. Yeah. And I can tell you over the years of doing, I've had retreats with two people and I've had retreats with up to 15 people. And I can tell you that every single one of them is different. Every single one of them has its own personality. Every single one always has lessons to teach. And every single one, you always walk away with pearls of wisdom for yourself. Because you're as transformed as your people are if you're doing it right. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. There's so many pieces there. And it's so funny, too, that you bring up, you know, it's always the right container for the yep. people. Because, yep. you know, you bring up that, hey, when we went to Key West this last time, it did end up being the three of us. And I had in my head leading up to it for weeks or months leading up to it okay, here's who's going to be here. I right. know it's going to be some of the same folks from last year. Like I was fully prepared. I was like, I can't wait to get there and I'm going to give this person a hug. And, yeah. and that was what I had in my mind. And then I got there and then it was only the three of us. And if you remember though, after the first night of me being there with just three of us, I said, this is the container. Yep. This, yep. this is supposed to be it. Yeah, because we had one more that was supposed to be arriving and she mm -hmm. ended up not being able to come. And I'm subsequently going to be taking doing a private experience with her later this summer. So that's the other piece of advice. Another soundbite here for anyone listening is, is that as a retreat leader, you have to be willing to flex. You have to be willing mm -hmm. to be flexible and to say everything is always happening for you. There's always a lesson. Nothing ever goes according to the script. Right. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many things you can't, there are some things you just can't possibly plan right. for. Nope. Um, nope. No. No. <laughs> so. Because the, you know, as you know, in May, I did two retreats and you were at the first one. And then I had a second group of people come in for the second one. And the, the great irony in that is that that first week was supposed to be the bigger event. And the second event was supposed to be a smaller oh. event because I actually initially planned it for just one client. 
And it turned out being bigger in terms of having four times as many people as what I thought. We ended up with six people. So it was kind of like, you talk about having to juggle in my head, the activities and the schedule. You just have to be, you, you, there are just a lot of things you just, you just have to release control of. But if you don't have a clear idea of what you're doing and how you're going to deliver it, then something like that can really mess you up. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you normally, would you typically advise someone to do retreats that close together? I mean, you've been doing this a while. No, I wouldn't. Not not if they're new. Just because, look, you don't, we don't know what we don't know, Okay. We can, we can, you can be an absolute expert at what you're doing and, you know, have been doing it a long time. But when you add something like a retreat and you're asking people to travel, to take off of work, to make plans for their household, whether it's their husband, kids or pets or whatever. Okay. And you're traveling Mm -hmm. somewhere, you know, there's always going to be some kind of energy dynamic going on that you're not aware of because when people leave what's familiar to them and go somewhere else, You just can't help it. You carry that energy with you. And for that reason, for new retreat people, I would never advise that. Never. Mm. But I've been doing this close to 10 years now doing retreats. And for me, last year, part of my vision last year when I was in Key West was, as I start to spend more and more time Mm. there, is that I'm going to be doing more events there. So I thought, well, I'm going to be there the whole month. Why not do a second event? I know what I'm getting myself into. I know the island like the back of my hand. I know how to plan the thing, right? Right. And so right. basically everything just came together. So, yeah. Oh, it's so awesome. Do you know how many how many retreats have you hosted now? Do you know the number? Uh, the exact number I'd have to sit here and think for a minute, but it's probably close to the neighborhood of 25 at this point. Okay. And That's lots so of different awesome. places, like domestic, international, all of it. So, mm. so I imagine international brings a lot new complexities. Yes, yes, it really does. And you know, there are a lot of people out there with very strong feelings on what they think a retreat is and where you should do it, and all of that. And for me, I guess I love being in a tropical environment anyway. So, of course, if I'm looking at in an international location, there's going to be like beach time, there's going to be something like that involved, right? Right. But the thing about international travel is, is that once you leave the borders of the United States, it's game on. There's a whole Mm -hmm. lot. You think a lot can happen when you fly here. There's even more that can happen when you go to a foreign country. So you really are, you know, releasing a lot of your securities when you travel internationally. Because to me, there's really not a better way to teach yourself a lot of lessons and stretch your boundaries and grow than to add travel and to leave the country on top of that. Yeah. One international retreat I hosted, it was right after the whole pandemic stuff was starting to, you know, lessen up. And of course, a lot of the airlines, as you know, like weren't even flying during the pandemic because nobody was traveling, Right. right? And so we had, there was so much happening that was out of my control. Like resorts were only partially open and a lot of it, they didn't have staff. And then airlines Mm -hmm. only had a handful of flights running at a time, right? Because they didn't have crew. And then you've got people that are still afraid to travel. So it's like you've got people signing up and then you've got people saying, well, look, I'm not going to come because I don't think it's safe. So you're trying to navigate all of that too. So it's just, 
it was a lot. It was, and it turns out that was the biggest retreat I ever did. That was my 15 person retreat that year. So wow, that was a lot. And I didn't really plan that. It just kind of like worked out that way. But to me, I was like, okay, people are ready to travel. And my people are mm -hmm. always the people that raise their hand and say, yes, that's me. You know, mm -hmm. I believe that you don't need to talk people into doing something. You either know if you want to do it or you don't. Right. Yep. And so for me, that trip was more about like stepping out of the whole pandemic thing and really embracing this whole, all right, this is what I do. This is who I am. Because that was the biggest international trip I've done to date. I've done smaller international trips, but not like that. Wow. Would you say, so I heard you say that your sweet spot is between four and eight people. They're about. So, They're about. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes How? it could be like three or four, you know, up to about mm -hmm. eight people. So. Yeah. What do you think is, what makes that such the sweet spot? Like what makes that more valuable than the 20 person retreat? Well, a couple things. One is energetically as a retreat leader, you cannot be available for a large group of people at one time. I know there are a lot mm -hmm. of people out there that think they can do it, but those are not retreats. Those are vacations. Those are getaways. Those are girls weekends, boys weekends, whatever you want to call it. And look, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Okay. I'm not going to sit right. here and say, that's not a good thing because it is, but let's be very clear. That's really not a retreat because a retreat is about going inward within yourself. It's about examining what it is that got you to the retreat. And it's about who are you going to be when you leave? And granted, in a big group of people, you can have those conversations. But as a retreat leader, you cannot hold space for that many people at one time and do it very well, not without a lot of people helping you, right? right. So for me, to answer your question, a, a very a small group really lends itself to not only holding a really safe container, but also facilitating conversations between people, helping people bond and form friendships. And for me, too, for me, it's as much about being in the moment with them, right? So mm. that if there's a moment that I need to interject and, you know, bring someone out off of the cliff, so to speak, or out of the rabbit hole or wherever the places that we go when we start like really challenging what we're thinking and believing. It's really hard to do that with a big group of people because people, mm -hmm. you start challenging people to grow and guess what? Their shit comes up. Pardon my French, but it does. Okay. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And that's just because we get in our stories. We believe our stories. We're really good at our stories because they become habits, mm -hmm. right? And Anytime you're challenging people on something that they really believe to be true, you better be prepared for what's going to come up. And if you've got mm -hmm. a big group of people, it can be really hard to navigate that, at least very effectively. So for me personally, just because of the nature of my retreats and how I do things, I think mm -hmm. I am the strongest when I have that type of group of people. That's when I really feel like I can use all of my strengths and when I feel like my people really get the best results. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think even as a, as a participant and, you know, even as a participant, you're absorbing all those energies. They're all coming at you. <laughs> and if you are at a place that you're wanting to look 
inward, which I would think is the part of the purpose of going to the retreat, right? Yeah. This isn't a vacation. Yeah. This is a retreat. Right. You're there for reflection and development and growth. So I can't deal with my own shit and take on the energy of 20 other people, yep. right? Yep. It, it's a lot as a participant a to take in. Well, and the um, other thing... The other thing to remember as a retreat leader is, is that you are ultimately helping deliver an outcome for somebody. Now, mm -hmm. when people show up, they may not really know what the outcome is that they want to get. They just know that they need to be there. They may say, I'm here because I need a break, but there's always something underneath, right? And right. <clears throat> as a retreat leader, what we have to understand is, is that we are responsible for helping them get the outcome that that is that they want. And if you allow yourself to get sucked in to the drama that happens when people's stuff starts coming up and look, it has to come up. Okay. I'm not saying oh, it yeah. shouldn't come up. It has to come up. But if you allow yourself to get absorbed in all of that, we have to remember that we're energetic beings and we take on energy from other people and we're not even conscious of it most of the time. So I have to be very careful as a retreat leader when I see that somebody is having either a breakthrough or what could potentially be a self-destructive moment, because look, we're all really hard on ourselves, or when somebody is potentially on the edge of not a very good exchange with another person or, you know, a, a past story is really coming up that's really hurtful for them. You just, you, there's some things you just cannot script, but you just have to be prepared and ready for it. And you have to be yeah. ready to respond because you want people, your number one responsibility. Here's another soundbite for anybody listening. Your number one responsibility as a retreat leader is the protection of your people. That is your number one responsibility. You have to provide a safe space. You have to be the leader, not their friend. And sometimes that means you have to say things that nobody wants to hear. So you have to be prepared to pull people away even if it means they have to leave the room and say, look, this is, there is not, this is not the place for this. This is what we're going to be working on. And it, sometimes it means right. people might not like you, but you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to go there if you need to. Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. And I think that's another, you know, one of the, the lessons that I gave as being a participant is to really understand and dig into why you're there as a exactly. participant. Yep. And what you're just like you said, I'm there for some type of outcome. Yep. Because it is easy to get drawn in, you know, to other things. And you have to be able to tap back into, okay, why am I here though? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, and I think the other thing that we have to remember is it's human nature when someone tells a story and then we want to jump in and say, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me. I totally hear you. I understand. And then you get a lot of that, what I like to call cheerleading going on, right? Which, mm -hmm. you know, that you go girl. And yeah, I get that. And oh, I totally know what that's like too. You know, you have to be willing to, to kind of like keep that at bay as well, because it's easy once people start like getting into that circle of conversation, it can be really hard to, to hit that off at the pass. And look, some of that is yeah. okay, because I think if we're sharing something that's that makes us vulnerable or feel vulnerable or particularly unsafe, I think it's really important that we have validation from people that are there that it's okay, you know, or whatever, but that's where it has to stop. You just have to be very, right. very careful. And it takes a lot of energy to be able to do that. 
It does. And a lot of intentionality, a lot of energy. But but I also think that's what makes the experience so rewarding. Yeah. Like people keep asking me, you know, you're traveling, but you're going on all these retreats. Like what's the, th-? and I'm like, because I walk away with something. Yeah. You walk away a different version of yourself. Yes. And that's completely different than a vacation. Don't get me wrong. I might go on vacation and be like, oh my gosh, I experienced this really cool thing, whatever yeah. it was. And yeah. And that's exciting. And now I can tell about it. Yeah. It's different, especially if I'm on a retreat and I get both, mm-hmm. I get to have an experience. So like we just did that this year in Key West. We went on the boat tour, right. sunset uh-huh. tour. So I had that like experience, which was really powerful and impactful for me. And I got to walk away with this outcome of some of the things that I wanted to work on. Yep. And to be able to have both of those things occur in one place, it's it's just, it's well worth it to me. Yep. But Well, and you just, there's, there's, here's another soundbite for anybody listening, is that you have to be very careful how much you decide to do. You cannot have mm-hmm. every hour scheduled. You cannot try to pack too much in. It really takes away from the experience for people. In my opinion, if you're new running retreats or this is something you're thinking about adding, keep it very simple, very simple. In fact, I wouldn't even add any extra activities. I would just keep it very basic, stick to your script, and keep it very simple but enjoyable for your people because you don't know what you don't know. And right, it's just... You know, I add a lot of things, not not a lot of things, but I'm very selective about the things that I add because the things that I add have to complement my program. You know, Mm -hmm. like we went on the boat in Key West and that was very intentional on my part because of what we were doing. I didn't just say, oh, let's go on a party boat. That sounds like a good idea. You know, I just, I I was very selective down to the boat that we actually went on because I wanted it to complement our program. And it so totally did. I agree. If we had been on a party boat, not the same experience to go with what we were working on Yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that a lot of people, you know, they, a lot of people that want to do retreats and events or, you know, excursions or whatever, it's more, I think people have a tricky thought that, that if I don't plan a lot, nobody will want to come. Right. And sometimes when I talk to people <clears throat> about a retreat and they re- they reach out to me and say, hey, I'm interested in going to Key West. And I talk to them about the program. Well, so we're not going to we're not going to go for a day on the boat. We're not going to spend a day at the beach. I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, OK. I'm like, well, then maybe this just isn't the right experience for you. Right. Because, look, you know, right. the way that we work on ourselves, number one, we have to be willing to invest in ourselves. But number two, we have to be willing to give ourselves different experiences. You know, the problem with just vacations and getaways and a bunches of people getting together out of town and to give themselves a break or whatever you want to call it is, is that once you go back home, you go back to doing the same things. You know, nothing right. changes for you. Right. So at all of my events, my my number one intention every day is is that I want people to walk away with the tools, the instruments, the plans, whatever they need to do to just plug themselves in when they get home, because that's what it's all about. Yes, yes. And that's one of the things that I love, right, is I get to come back home and I have all the things that we just worked that worked on. 
And but now I have these new tools that I can keep using and implementing and refer back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so it's so powerful. How important do, would you say thinking about location? Like, mm-hmm. what is the role location plays into planning a retreat? Well, I have two two opinions on that. One is as a retreat leader. I always let my intuition guide me on where I think I should go. I think a lot of retreat leaders just pick fun places that they think would be fun to go and say, I've always, I think it would be really fun to do an event here. But here's my thought. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's my thought to that, my rebuttal rather, is that I think you have to really think about the kind of experience that you want your people to have. What is Mm -hmm. it that, what does this, number one, what does this experience look like? What, is, what does it look like in your mind? And number two, what is it that you want people to get out of it? Okay. And now that people are wanting to travel everywhere, I think a lot of people are, are open to experiencing going somewhere different. I mean, honestly, for me, when I pick a location, it's usually a combination of two things. It's either a place that I love to go. I've had a great time going there as a participant or as on vacation And I think it would be amazing to give people an experience there. And then the other piece is, is that sometimes it's a place that I just feel instinctively drawn to, you know, a place Mm. that I really feel like I can get out of my comfort zone a little bit and upskill and uplevel myself as well as helping my people do that too. Because remember, as a retreat leader, if you're doing your work right, you are transformed Mm. just like your people are. Now, granted, when your people leave, you know, your emotions kind of go all over the place. You're kind of like, there's a part of you that's excited that, man, I can't believe that that just was in such an amazing event, right? We never want it to end. And then there's a part of us that we really need to pay attention and recharge our batteries too, because it takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess to answer your question, you know, for me, it's a hybrid of those two intentional thoughts. It's, it's, where is it that I really love to go? Where is it Mm. that I could really give people an amazing experience and why? And two over here is what, what is it about this place that I just feel drawn to? You know, I want to really sit with that and make sure I'm clear on that. And it's not just, oh, wow, I'd love to go there. Let's go. Right. Right. So I just, anyone listening, I would just challenge them to, to really sit with that. Pick a place that where you really feel energetically drawn to. And that you feel not just comfortable, but almost challenged to grow on your own. Because every retreat experience changes you as a leader as much as it does your people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think probably probably the last question, but I had this question pop up from somebody I was talking to this last weekend, actually. And they were asking, on retreats, is it better to... And I don't even want to use the word better. I don't remember their exact wording, but I think the question revolved around, do you want a a retreat center or a a resort or more of an Airbnb vibe where you're hosting at that location? Well, I don't know that there's really a correct answer to that, but what I'll do is I'll just share my perspective because I've done it. I've done retreats at all of those places that you mentioned and then some. I think a retreat center is very valuable if you're going to have a very immersive type experience where you don't want any distractions. You want a lot of things done for you. 
You know, I think there are people that appreciate that about a retreat center. Personally, I don't, that's not my style because I want my people to have an experience outside of the retreat too, with carefully chosen mm -hmm. activities that really lend itself to the energetic vibe of the place where we're going. Because I'm all about a theme. I'm going to theme my event and I'm going to theme the hell out of it. And I want to make sure that everybody that comes really has that experience. Like they just have that tangible feeling, almost like I could put that energy in a box with a bow on it and say, here, this is what you're taking away, right? So yeah. to answer your question, I personally prefer Airbnbs, a smaller venue, maybe a small resort guest house type property that has that intimate feel. Because remember, mm. I think every retreat leader has to really ask themselves honestly, how, how many people can I really serve and serve well? Sometimes it's not about more. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. You know, I've done the big resorts and there's a lot of workarounds that you have to do with that. A lot of times you can't reserve space. You're really dependent on what's mm -hmm. going on at the resort at the time. There's a lot of things that are out of your control the bigger you go. Right. So for that reason, like in Key West, I usually do a house or I have this favorite little guest house property that I use. It's only got five suites and I use that sometimes as well. I usually go back and forth between the two. I've done the hotel route. I've done the resort route plenty of times and there's a place for that. But for an honest to goodness retreat feel, I don't recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. I've done both now as well. And I kind of agree. I think you get... The opportunities to actually bond with others and really dig into the work, the opportunity is there in that more intimate space. It's a yeah. little harder at a res big resort yeah. where maybe you maybe you reserved a room, but and even a lot of times it res it resorts those rooms aren't always a hundred percent private. Yeah, exactly. There's just so a lot that's always... not in your control, and, and you know I see yes. a lot of people online posting with groups of friends at these fancy resorts like in the Caribbean and Mexico and other places. And no offense, but that's not a retreat. That's a get together with friends and that, and you know what? Enjoy it. Go do it and enjoy it. Right. I like doing that, but I'm not going to do a retreat there for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Totally. Shocker. Shouldn't be, but shocker. We're in alignment on all these thoughts. Of that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's, uh, it's totally true. Oh my gosh, this has been such an amazing experience. I know, Allie, that you've got several more retreats coming up this year. Any any ones in particular you want to give a shout out to? Of course. I am I am planning to do a couple of private VIP experiences. I call them one or two people. And I do have room in my calendar. I'm going to be going back to Key West. And so if you missed this last retreat, <clears throat> in Key West and you have that on your radar and you would like to go and experience Key West my way, then let me know. I am also going to be doing a smaller group experience down there the first week of December to kind of like wrap up the year and vision cast for next year. So that one's out mm. there as well. And then the other trip that I'm doing this year, there are two of them, is we have a, a slightly bigger group, eight people going to St. Lucia the first week of November. And we're going to be at a small resort down there called the Windjammer. It's locally owned. It's small private suites. And we've got, I've got two excursions planned that week while we're there. And then the other retreat, of course, that, you're, that hopefully you'll be coming to is the next Innovate Retreat, which we do at my lake house 
on Lake Norman, which is just north of Charlotte. And that will be like five or six people at that one as well. So we have still several things going on the rest of this year. And we've got several planned for next year as well. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. I I went to Lake Norman in February as part of the Innovate Mastermind. And gorgeous, gorgeous area. It was so peaceful. Yeah, Could not have been any better. Really, just an amazing and yeah, I think we had five or six of us there. Yeah, we did. There were five of us. It was just perfect. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. It was great. Yeah, the right so, people always show up. So Right? Yeah, that's another one where we thought we're, we just had a mix of different people who ended up showing up and not showing up. But it was exactly what yep. how it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's always how that's it is. so amazing. Yeah. So... If one of our audience members wanted to get in contact with you, how can they follow you or reach out? They can go to my website at www.theallisonk.com and connect with me there. You can go to the connect or contact me and just send me a note directly from my website. You can check out my podcast, The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care, which drops every Tuesday. And then Creating the World's Best Client Experiences. That's what we're talking about here. That's my second show, which drops on Thursdays. You could check either one of those out. You can reach out to me on any of my socials. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So you can reach out to me on any of that. And if you want to get your hands on my free retreat playbook, it's my five-step process. This is the same process that I use on any of the events that I do. You can go to my website, any of the pages there. If you scroll to the bottom and put your email address in, we'll send it to you as a free gift. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, I'm going to be sure and put those links into the show notes. So if you're listening, be sure to check this, the show notes so that you have access to the website. And I'll also be sharing all of her handles for social media. She's under yeah. the Allison K. Yeah. So definitely check those out. You guys will want to get connected with Allison for sure and check out her podcast because I, it's been, and sorry, and I do want to give this plug too. Allison also has a couple groups on Facebook. So I'm going to share how to follow her on Facebook and Instagram, but be sure and check her out when you get to Facebook because she's got some groups that are open. And I have to tell you the things that she shares in those, in those groups is, is really powerful between there and her email list. You want to, you're going to want to check out what she's got going on this year for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Come over and join us on Facebook. I'm all about community. So. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps us up. Thank you, Allison. It's been such a pleasure. Hey, shifters. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of A Whole Lot of Shift. If you heard something today that inspired you or resonated with you, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review to help others as well. Your review helps me give as much motivation and inspiration as I possibly can. And don't forget, you can catch all the outtakes, bonuses, special live stream interviews, and much more over at a whole lot of shift Facebook group. Until next time, keep making shift happen.